Hi, everybody. It's good to see you all. Good eye, mate. Thanks, Steve. Ash and I have uh, just had eight days in Buffalo and then Toronto and then a couple of hours north of Toronto. Um, you know, one of the one of the roles that we have is to oversee um, the Catch the Fire churches in the Americas, so from Canada down through to um, Argentina. And uh, so we've just had a pastor's uh, retreat um, for our Canadian pastors in Canada that we were hosting. And uh, we had about 80 people uh, from about 15, 16 churches gathering together uh, in Muskoka, which is a nice bleak area. And thank you, Jesus. He was kind to us. The weather was good. It was 70 degrees all the time. So that was beautiful, wasn't it? And we had the privilege of speaking at Catch the Fire Toronto last Sunday and being involved in a worship event they were doing on the Saturday night. So that's good and got to see my brother and his family, which we haven't seen for a couple of years, two, over two years. So thank you, Jesus, for borders that are being reopened. Yeah, yeah and our, in fact, our niece is here today. So great to have you, Gracie. Um, God's good, eh? All the time. Before we get into it, I had a couple of uh, things I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me about. The first one was, I, I feel like uh, I, the Lord was showing me somebody that had been in some kind of car accident. Uh, specifically, I saw that it felt like it was a Volvo, whether it was you were hit by one or we were driving one, I'm not sure. Um, but I felt like the Lord wanted to lift off trauma and, and, and pain in your body. So I don't know if that's anybody here that's been involved in a, in a car accident recently. Um, maybe they're online, maybe online. Um, so anyway, I just bless you in Jesus' name to be free from that trauma and pain and we lift that off, all the shock and the pain of that in Jesus' name. The other thing that I, I really felt that, um, that for us, some of us here, you know, we've been going through some really difficult, challenging times and um, it's been a sense of maybe... a lack of joy, just difficulty, uh, having to really press through, wondering what God's doing, wondering where God's at, what he's been up to. Uh, it feels like there's just been hard slog and hard labor. And, um, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to minister to, to you right now. So if that's you, if you've been through a season uh, where you've been wondering what God's been doing, you've been wondering uh, whether you've missed it, you've been wondering uh, about some of the, the challenges you know, just life has felt like it's fallen apart. I want to just encourage you to stand um, and we want to just pray and minister for that. So, yeah, that's probably most people, isn't it? I don't know. But I, I was stirred by this Habakkuk passage this morning. Uh, it says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the, yields, and the fields yield no fruit, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Now what the Lord's been doing is he has high places for us. Those high places are places where of destiny, of purpose, of anointing, of gifting that the Lord has prepared for us. And what he's been doing in this season, he's been using this season of difficulty, of travail, of not knowing what was going on. He's been using those, this season to train your hands for war, to train your feet so that you could 
tread on your high places. You haven't missed it. You haven't lost it. God is working within you and his purpose is to bring you into his freedom, into the high places that he's called, called you for. So we release blessing over you. We release the anointing upon you. We stand with you. We say that we are with you. We're standing firm with you. We believe in God for you, for breakthrough. And we are believing that God will take you through this place. The word says that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil for his right hand, his rod and his staff protect us and that we will eat before our enemies. He will prepare a banqueting table before us and that you will see the victory. You will see the breakthrough because he is the God of the breakthrough. And so we bless you in Jesus' name and we just declare kingdom of God come in your life and let the purposes of God be fulfilled and we release strength and energy for you in the battle. Strength and energy. And I want to just declare to you that you would rejoice in the Lord, that you will take joy in the God of your salvation, that the Lord your God will be your strength and he will release to you your joy, his joy, that will be strength and energy to your life because his joy is our strength. So we bless you in Jesus' name. He's showing himself to be big and strong, testimonies of God's goodness and God's power. He's just such a good God, isn't he? And there's nothing that's too hard for him. And there's nothing that's too late. There's nothing that's too far gone for his great love and his power to reverse everything that's happened. But specifically training our hands for war in this season. Alrighty, I I want to just pick up a little bit from where uh, Erica shared last week. If you were here last week, Erica, one of our board members, an amazing minister, love, an amazing leader within this community. We, we love Erica and her husband, Anthony. She preached an incredible word. Ash and I got to watch it on Thursday as we were driving down um, a couple of hours in the car and uh, got to just watch, that, watch her preach. And um, you know, she shared, if, if you haven't watched it, I want to encourage you to watch it, but she shared from uh, Matthew chapter 16, uh, talking about Jesus um, well, Simon Peter having the revelation of who Jesus was and, and, and Jesus saying, on this rock I will build my church. And, um, and she, the, the, the title of her message was um, something along the lines of becoming the rock. And she had five points I want to just remind you of and I want to pick up on, on one of those. The first point out of that scripture was that, uh, that we live on this fo- the foundation of who we are and our, and our understanding is our revelation of who Jesus is. Who Jesus is for us and who Jesus is in us. Who Jesus is all around us. So that was the first thing. The second thing was that we were to let go of our old identity. And to do so, we would then become the rock that Jesus builds his church upon, immovable, solid, trustworthy, that we were then to pull down the darkness, to take authority over the darkness, both first starting within our own lives, the Lord wanting to deal with any issues of our own hearts, and then the darkness around us, and that we were to loose and to bind because Jesus has given us the keys. He says, you are Peter upon this rock, the rock of the revelation of who Jesus is, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail and I will give you the keys of the kingdom whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And so I want us to look, like take a couple of days forward in the life of Jesus and, and to have a look at, at this passage um, that happens about eight days after that revelation and I want you to turn to Luke chapter nine and the title of my message is this, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? 
Young adults, uh, those of you that were here uh, in our young adult gathering a couple of weeks ago, I'm sorry, you're going to have to listen to the message again. But, you know, hopefully there'll be more revelation. Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 36. And, and you can read it also in Matthew 17 and in Mark chapter 9 as well. But we're going to read it out of Luke. Now, about eight days after these sayings, including the revelation that Jesus was the Son of God and that he's going to build his church upon that revelation. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him. Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's probably where I would be. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Pause for a minute. Have you ever been so scared that you blurt out the first thing that comes out of your mouth and then you don't realize what you just said? And then you feel a little embarrassed and a little bit, oh, what did I just say? Well, that's just basically what happened to Pete right here, right? Not knowing what he said. And just because, you know, just when they were even, you know, afraid, they get even more afraid because as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were afraid. Other translations or other verses within this story say they were terrified. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone and they kept silent, not telling and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. So Jesus and his three friends go up this mountain. We don't know what mountain it is. But theologians uh, postulate, wonder, summarize that maybe it's Mount Hermon. So where Jesus was, was in Caesarea Philippi when Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus gets all excited and says, blessed are you. He's in this place called Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi, just near there, is um, this mountain called Mount Hermon. And um, theologians think that he was likely to be up this mountain. We don't know for sure. But the interesting thing about this is at the bottom of that mountain, uh, at the bottom of, of where Caesarea Philippi was, there was these um, caves that were called the gates of Hades. And uh, the, the, the Greeks, they sacrificed to the god Pan, and uh, where we get the word pandemic from. He gets, you know, he sacrificed to Pan and other gods, and it was this, they, they thought it was the gate to the underworld. And so Jesus, who's just prophesied and declared the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church that I'm building, he finds himself, and if it is that mountain, symbolically he's above, he's on a mountain above the gates of Hades, declaring, you know, and there's disciples seeing who he is, and the father saying, this is my son, whom I, my chosen one, whom I love, listen to him. And the disciples, you know, they're heavy with sleep and they're, you know, doing what they've done, what they, they, they do is, you know, like we do, you know, get up early and then fall asleep to try and pray and then just, you know, fall asleep in, in our prayer. But the disciples wake up to the glory and they see, as they wake up, they see this revelation. They see Jesus whose face is shining bright like the sun and whose clothes are glowing so white, like whiter than any, any um, launderer could, could make them, you know, bleach them. And he's dazzling in front of them. 
and they wake up and they see his glory. And just as a little aside, my prayer for all of us is that we as a church, both in this church community and all the churches around this city, and not only just the churches, but all the, the people that do not know yet Jesus, know Jesus yet, they wake up to his glory. That we wake up and we see how magnificent and how beautiful and how majestic he really is. Peter saying later as he's describing this passage in, in 2 Peter, he says, we saw his glory and we saw his majesty when the voice from heaven came. This is my son whom I love and you I'm well pleased. And so Jesus, the, the disciples see Jesus in his glory. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen him as your Lord and Savior? Have you seen him as the one who's taken away your sin? Has you, have you seen him as the one who has all the answers? Has you, have you seen him as the one who has given us everything for divine, for in, our, in our lives for godliness? Have you seen Jesus and his majesty? We've been singing about him. There is nobody like you in all the heavens or on the earth. We're singing about his glory. To see Jesus is to see the glory of God. The Bible says that Jesus was the, is the exact imprint, the exact radiance of the Father's glory. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what the Father looks like, you see Jesus. And you see Jesus as the loving, kind, generous, terrifying judge, lover of our souls. And you see him as the one whom all of heaven worships. But he, with Jesus are two men, Moses and Elijah. Well, why Moses and Elijah? Well, Moses is the one who, uh, who took, brought the Israelites, the ancient Israelites. They brought, he, God used him to bring them out of Egypt, to deliver them from slavery in the natural realm, to bring them out of that natural slavery that they were under in Egypt, and to bring them into the promised land, the land of, of, of Israel. And in the process, on, an, on another mountain, Mount Sinai, receive revelation from heaven and, and receive the law of God, what we know as the Ten Commandments and the 612 um, laws that are in the, in the Old Testament, the Torah, that as the Jewish people, ancient Israelites and current Jewish people would call it, the first five books of the Bible where there's all the rules and all the requirements of this is how you approach God. And it's all about our ability to do the right thing and become and, and, and follow God and do it in our, own, in our own strength. And so Moses is there as the deliverer of Israel, as the one who received the law of God and he met and encountered God on the mountain. Elijah is also there. Elijah's representative of the prophets. Elijah's most famous moment was happened on another mountain where he had an encounter with God. You know, if you know the story in 1 Kings, I think it's chapter 19, that you can, you can read it later. But it's, it's, there's, a, there's a basically a showdown between the prophets of Baal and, and the tr one true God represented by Elijah standing there. And, and there's this, Elijah sets out this, um, this kind of charge. It says, look, you set up your altar, I'll set up my altar. The one, the, the God who answers by fire, he's the one true living God. And so these, you know, prophets of Baal, they're going crazy, nothing happens. Elijah, when it comes to his turn, he pours the water on the, onto the, um, onto the, uh, sacrifice and then calls God and then the fire comes down, bam, the whole thing's consumed, even the stones. And all of Israel, you know, is basically turned back to God. And, and so Elijah's representing the prophets. He's the one who's delivered Israel from idol worship under Ahab and Jezebel. He's the one who has brought Israel back to the place of, uh, of uh, pure worship to, to the Father. And um, he's the one that represents all of the prophets. And so Peter, 
he sees these three and they're talking with you know, Jesus and the other two. They're talking together. And the interesting thing is what they're talking about. It says that they're talking about his departure. That word in the Greek actually is exodus. So if you know your Bible, you'll know that there's a whole chapter, a whole a book devoted called Exodus, which is, means the departure. And the whole book is about Israel's departure out of slavery through Moses, out of that place of slavery in Egypt in the natural and coming into the promised land, into that place where there's connection and communion with God, but based on the requirements of the law on their ability to do the right thing. And so they're speaking about the departure, but they're speaking about Jesus' departure, Jesus' exodus, what's that, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem, it says. Well, that exodus was this, that Jesus, when he goes to the cross and he's going to take, you know, he's going to um, allow hit the punishment and the beating, he's going to allow himself to be nailed to the cross, he's going to... Um, to, to take on the cross our sin and our death and our shame and our slavery and he's going to take us out of our spiritual bondage to sin, to the world, to the devil, to our flesh, to, the, to the, our sin nature and he's going to take us out of that bondage on the cross through his death and his burial and his resurrection and he's going to bring us into the promised land in the spirit realm, the promised land of heaven and, he's, you know, and so they're talking about his departure. His moment where he brought us out of our sin and out of our shame, not just us, but all of humanity that says yes to him, bringing out of that slavery, bringing into the glorious freedom of the sons of God. It's a beautiful thing about the gospel that Jesus is talking to Moses and he's talking to Elijah. He's talking about getting us out of that system of control from the demonic realm, getting us out of the system of control from our sin nature, even getting us out from the law and the prophets because Jesus himself fulfilled those two things. And so what is, they're talking about their, their departure. And then Peter, well, he's like, uh, 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 hey, uh, hey, it's good that we should be here. Hey, you know, in fact, I can see Jesus, you know, you, you're just like Moses and you're just like Elijah and, and you're just, you know, it's, it's really good that we're here. We get to witness this so that we can build three booths or three altars. We can build these things so that we can, we can say, remember that moment where we experienced Jesus and we saw him in his glory and, and we saw Mo Moses in his glory and Elijah in his glory and, and hey, wow, Jesus, it's good. We can build a memorial to this moment. How we love to build memorials to encounters with God. How we love to have an experience, but then forget that each experience is an, is an invitation to another encounter and get stuck in that place, in that moment. And Jesus, just as Peter's saying this, and really he gets cut off by, by the Father because this cloud appears, and the cloud says this, this is my son, my chosen one. In Mark's version of this story, he says, this is my beloved son. In Matthew's version of this story, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But in each version of those stories, it's not, it doesn't stop there. What it moves on to, the father's voice moves on to say, listen to him. Listen to him. Peter's thinking that Jesus is on the same level as Moses and Elijah. The father comes along and corrects him and says, no, no, no. My son, 
He's the ultimate revelation. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, is what Jesus said. He's the ultimate revelation. He's the glory of God. He's the one that you should listen to. In fact, if you listen to him, don't listen to the law and don't listen to the prophets because if you listen to him, because he's already fulfilled the law and he's fulfilled the prophets, you will fulfill the law and fulfill the prophets if you listen to him. And so Jesus is saying this, listen, sorry, the Father's saying about Jesus, listen to him. Jesus is not on the same level as the prophets. Jesus is not on the same level as the law. He's higher than that. He's the fulfillment of those two things. He's the fulfillment of the prophets. He's the fulfillment of the law. And so here we see three deliverers. Three people that were having, that had, were famous, well, at least two people that were famous for encounters on a mountaintop. Disciples are having their own encounter. And the Holy Spirit, the Father, speaks to them and says, Listen to him. Who are you listening to? Which voice is loudest in your head? Who are you wanting to build your life around? We can build our life around the prophetic, can't we? We can build our life around all that God's said and all that God's speaking and all the things that he's saying through different prophetic voices around. Uh, you know, we can build our life based on the things that are, you know, people that we know are prophetic or even our own prophetic sense. We can build our life upon that and we can follow the prophets. The problem with following the prophets is they testify about Jesus and Jesus is the one that we want to be following. Father said, don't listen to the prophets, listen to Jesus. We can also build our lives upon the law, which to me is, says it's like the law to me is about my ability, my power to do the right thing. My ability to follow the rules, my ability to be a good person, my ability to line up with God's law and my ability to somehow gain God's favor. It's, a, it's our own strength, it's our own power our ability to deliver ourselves. And don't get me wrong, the law and the prophets are good, but the law and the prophets are not the best. The best is Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, you will fulfill the law and the prophets. So who are you talking to, listening to? Who's the voice in your head? Are you listening to Jesus or are you listening to your favorite preacher? I'm sure you're listening to your favorite preacher right now. I, you know, I, I can get that, right? No, I'm talking about the other guys, the anointed ones, you know, on TV with the big ministries, you know. Uh, who's your favorite preacher? Are you listening to your favorite preacher? Do you love to get online and, you know, listen to what, you know, what was spoken and what the message that they were sharing and, and understand that? No, that's a good thing. Listening to people is good. But it's actually Jesus is the one that we're being called to listen to. Are you listening to your favorite podcaster? You love to go online and listen to the podcast and, and hear all about what's going on and, and get your perspective on the world and get your perspective on the society and get your perspective on the future or, or whatever. Are you listening to your favorite podcaster? Who are you listening to? Now, those things can be helpful, but they're not Jesus. Are you listening to your favorite prophet? You know, the ones on YouTube, the you know, the, 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 the lovely prophetic people that have got lots of prophetic words about what's happening and different things and one's prophesying this and the other one's prophesying that and we go and find the ones that we like to listen to because they tell us, they tickle our ears and they tell our ears exactly what we're looking to hear. Are you listening to your favorite prophet? Are you listening to your favorite prophet on YouTube or social media? It's not bad to listen to those things, but who are you listening to ultimately? 
Are you listening to the news? Are you listening to your favorite news channel, whether it's mainstream media or alternative news? Are you listening to your news? Are you listening to some guy in a basement somewhere that's telling you what, all the things that are happening and conspiracies in the world? Are you listening to those? Are you feeding your soul with those? Or are you listening to Jesus? Who are you listening to? Who else can we listen to? It's getting a little heavy. Sorry, I know. You know. Who are we listening to? Are we listening to our experience? You know, it's easy to listen to our experience. That looks like this. Well, I know that the Bible says that Jesus is a healer, but I haven't had any healing, so I don't believe it. I know that the Bible says that he works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, but my life looks like it sucks, so I don't believe it. We listen to our experience when we allow our experience to, to put a cap on our faith and put a cap on the measure of our expectation of who God is for us and who God is amongst us. Do we listen to our experience when we, or do we actually believe the word of God? So when Jesus says, I'm, all authority has been given to me, when Jesus says, uh, you know, raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, do we do that? Or do we say, you know, I've never seen a person raised from the dead, so I'm not going to bother. I've never really seen somebody get healed, so I'm just not going to bother. Well, which is it? Is it our experience or are we listening to Jesus? May we all read and understand and listen to the truth and let our truth supersede our experience. Let God's truth supersede our experience so we can listen to our experiences. What about our desires? Are you listening to your desire? Your desire to get rich? Your desire to have a good bank account, your desire to drive a good car, your desire to have a great family, your desire to be known by a something, your desire to be a, a somebody or a something. Are you listening to those desires that come from our, half, our history, our upbringing, our family values, the things that we've, the world system that we've experienced? Are we listening to those things? Are we shaping and basing our life around those things? Are they, are they dictating our desires about the job that we get, the place that we live, the decisions we make with our finances? Or are we listening to Jesus? What about the father of lies? Are we listening to the father of lies, the, the, the devil? Are we listening to the voices on the inside of us that tell us that we're nothing and a nobody? Are we listening to those voices that tell us that we really are rejected and that we don't belong, that we're abandoned? Are we listening to those voices that are saying, you don't deserve it, you have to earn it, you have to work hard to get what you need? Are you listening to those voices, listening to the father of, the, of lies that's telling you that God doesn't love you? Are you listening to those things or are you listening to Jesus? Who are you listening to? What about our friends? Are we listening to our friends? Do we go to our friends first for decisions, for input, for, for advice, even for a sense of uh, uh, just, you know, hey, I, I'm having a bad day. Now, friends are good. I love having friends. I have a few, surprising. I love having friends, but if my friends are my go-to and I don't go to listen to Jesus, then I've got a problem. If, they're my, if I get all of my source of validation and affirmation and, and a sense of self-worth from, from who I am or what I do or my friends that are around me, then I'm in trouble. I'm not listening to Jesus. What about our culture? Are you listening to our culture? Are you listening, you know, if somebody does you wrong or do, you know, doesn't do the right thing, you know, our culture in this day and age is to sue them, right? Get them for all they're worth. 
or cancel them, shut them out. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, he says, hey, if your enemy wants to sue you for your cloak, give him your tunic as well. It hurts. I remember one of my friends uh, here in this church, when he first came to this church, he was going through a really, really horrible and difficult divorce. And I, I was just, and I, we walked together through the, through the divorce, and, and as a number of people did. But the thing that impressed me the most was how much he was not prepared to fight against his wife because he was trying to follow the Spirit. And the Spirit was saying to him, don't fight, let her have it. It's an amazing thing. Are we wrestling with that? Are we turning the other cheek when somebody wrongs us? Or like Jesus said, or are we fighting back? Who are we listening to? Are we listening to our culture? That says that we have to be hard, we go after things, go after people, fight for ourselves. Now, fighting for our rights, if there's, in a, you know, in a constitutional way, I know that there's value, there's things, you know, there's things that we do fight for. So it's about making sure that we're led by the Spirit, but let's be led by the Spirit and listen to Jesus, not just default to our cultural norms. Last year, you know, when, when uh, through the, the murder of George Floyd and all of the protests that were happening after that and all of that sense of unrest and, uh, you know, one of the things that it really caused me to do was to wrestle with how much of my Christianity was actually based on my cultural experience of being a white person, being a white male, in fact. You know, born in... Uh, you know, in privilege, really, born in, uh, you know, living from, you know, born in Nigeria, living in England, living in Australia, now living here, enjoying the benefit of being, you know, this skin color in that sense, and having to look at and talk to my African American friends and, and other friends, you know, Hispanic friends and, and Asian friends, and talking about what is it like to look, what does it look like to, to live in, in your shoes and your, in your world, and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to adjust my worldview and to, to change the way I see things. And then going back to the Bible and seeing what he says about power structures and about, about loving and serving one another, about giving ourselves away to each other, about community life and realizing how much of what I hold true is actually just because of my culture, not because of the word of God. And having to surrender my culture and continually to, having to surrender my culture to the word of God. Whether you're white, black, Hispanic, Asian, you have a culture, you have a family origin culture, you have a, 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 a racial culture, no doubt, that, that we need to surrender to listen to Jesus. And to see what's good and right and godly about Jesus in other cultures. Ah, here's another one. What about our church culture and our theology? Are we listening to our culture, uh, our church culture, our traditions, our upbringings in our churches, our theology, or are we listening to Jesus? Are we listening to the ones that say, well, you know, God hates sinners, so you have to judge sinners? Or are we listening to Jesus who says, hey, I'm a friend of sinners. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the unrighteous. I came to seek and save the lost. What's shaping our thought process? Is it the word of Jesus? Is it the word of God? Or is it our theology. What about this? There's a, there's a sense right now going around the community, you know, Christ, Christendom, Christianity, that you know you don't need to repent, that you can actually just go straight into heaven, that, that Jesus is, mul there's many different ways of getting to heaven and that you just you know, pass on through and you know, everybody gets a ticket. That's not true. That's not what Jesus said. 
Jesus said this. He said, whoever believes in me, well, actually John's saying this about Jesus. No, Jesus is saying this, but he's using, talking about himself in the third person. Let me just get my head straight. Whoever believes in him should no longer perish, but have eternal life. Belief is the key to salvation. He then goes on to say, this is John 3, 16, and then verse 18, whoever does not believe is condemned already. The culture would say, well, everybody wants to go, everyone wants to, culture wants to say, everybody goes to heaven. Certain parts of Christianity are saying, everybody goes to heaven. But Jesus is saying, no, that's not true. It's only those who believe in me and those who uh, uh, get to go and those who don't believe, they're condemned already. How about this? Everybody, well, hell isn't really real. There's another thing that's going around theology-wise, that hell isn't real. But, you know, here's the reality is that Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. How about another one? Well, you know, the Old Testament is just the Hebrew Scriptures. They're just a bunch of stories, you know. Yeah, Jonah wasn't really real and Noah wasn't really real. They're just, just stories to, to learn from. But here's the problem with that. Jesus talks about both of them as if they're true. So that provides us with a bit of a problem right there. What about, you know, theology that's talking and it's kind of getting wrapped up in our culture with sexuality and gender and all of those things? Are we listening to our culture or are we listening to Jesus? Who are you listening to? I hope we're listening to Jesus. And so how do we listen to Jesus? Well, the first thing, the main thing is that we want to love the Word of God because the Word of God, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus is the living Word. And then we, so when we read this Word, we encounter Jesus. We experience Him. And so are you in the Word every day? Is, if you have a daily habit of going to the Word, do you, when you have a problem, do you turn to the Word and hear what the Word has to say, what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you through the Word, or do you go onto YouTube and ask, see if you can find your favorite prophet? I'm sorry, it's coming across maybe a little heavy, but I feel the weight of the Spirit on this at the moment. You know, are we loving the Scriptures? Are we daily in the Word of God? What does that look like? For, for me, that's about meditating on the Word of God which is to chew over it and to read it, but not to read it for head knowledge because encounter, we're reading it for an encounter because in, it, the, reading the Bible is actually an encounter exercise, not a head exercise. And so when I'm meditating on the word and, the, and, and you know, in the Hebrew, the meditation would just be to chew over and repeat over and over. There's many different ways that you can learn how to, to meditate on scripture. But as I'm meditating, I'm welcoming the spirit of truth because John 16, Jesus says this, when Jesus goes, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, the other counselor. He's the spirit of truth and he's going to lead us into all truth. 1 John chapter 3, Jesus say, uh, John says, it's the spirit of God, the anointing of God on the inside of us that guides us into truth. So we're to meditate on the scriptures, we're to, to read the scriptures. You know, the whole thing about the new covenant, about Jesus coming, was that it said that, you know, the promise was that each one of us would know him from the least to the greatest. Each one of us would experience him and have his law written in our hearts. You don't have to go to a prophet or a preacher. You don't have to go to a concordance or other things. No, those things are helpful. But you actually can first and foremost hear the voice of the Lord for yourself. It's beautiful and it's a wonderful thing. But when I read, the other thing that I do when I'm reading is I'm engaging with it, not just reading through, but asking my heart questions like, what does my heart need to know? 
Like John 14, verse 1, it says, do not let your heart be troubled. I can read that and think, oh yeah, I don't let my heart be troubled. Or I can sit in the reality that, wow, Jesus, my heart is troubled. Why is my heart troubled? And what do you want to say about it? So we're engaging with the Scriptures. We're meditating. We're listening to the Scriptures. We're letting the Scriptures speak to us. And a few, oh, last year, uh, uh, in connection with this, what I was talking about with the cultural things that we were you know, experiencing in the, the I was sitting out on my deck and it was a beautiful sunshiny day and, um, and all of a sudden the sun changed direction a little bit and I caught a glimpse of a spider's web, just one line that was running from one tree down to the other tree. I hadn't seen it until the light shone on it and then all of a sudden I saw that the web was there. And I felt like the Holy Spirit speak to me in that moment. He says, there are many things that you're holding that you don't understand that you're holding, but when my light shines upon them, you're going to see them for what they are and you're going to see that you no longer need to hold on to those things. And so what are your filters? What's your, your culture, your theology, your worldview, your history? What are those filters? And when we come to the Word of God, the thing that we need to do is surrender those filters right at the very beginning every time we approach the Word of God and say, Lord, let me not read this through my cultural or uh, historical or theological lenses. Let me read this as it is true, as you've intended it to speak to my heart. So surrender your filter. And then because we're listening to Jesus, it's really important that we understand the nature of, this, of the Word of God is that we're not to, you know, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures was really clear cut. Do this, don't do that, follow this, follow, don't follow that. Whereas the New Testament, it's all about being led by the Spirit of God. And so we're to read by the Spirit of God and then we're to read the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, through that revelation of, of, of Jesus and we're to be led by the Spirit as we read the Word of God so that we're not getting into dogma of trying to learn truth that will tell us what to do but actually developing a relationship with the Spirit where the truth is on the inside of us and the Spirit guides us as to what to do. So listen to Jesus through the Word. The other thing briefly to mention is that we would listen to Jesus through others in your life. You know, God puts us in community, he puts us in family, he, he establishes leaders in our lives and, and part of the, the role of the leader on our family is that they can hear God for themselves and for you just as well as you can hear God for themselves and you. And so sub submitting our, what we're hearing from the Lord, submitting what we think we're understanding. When I receive revelation from the Lord, when I get prophetic words, one of the things I love to do is to go and surrender them, submit them to my leaders and just say, hey, this is what I'm, I'm hearing. What do you think? Because I'm trusting the Spirit of God in them as a way that I can hear Jesus because sometimes I get a little confused. Sometimes I'm not aware of a filter and I've got this desire to go and do something and I, and, I, and I hear the Holy Spirit through this desire. Whereas those people that are in leaders that the Lord's put in my life or friends or family, they don't hear those same filters. They can hear from the Lord and they can say, ah, you know what, I think that's just your desire or hey, no, this is it, God's got it, go for it. Listen to others in your life. Trust the ability of leaders in your life to hear the voice of Jesus as well. Not to usurp your voice, but to supplement and augment your voice. And the final point I want to make is this, that the proof of listening, the proof of hearing is obedience. How do we know that we've, we've heard Jesus as we obey? John 14, 15, it says this, Jesus speaking, he says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Now here's the thing about the law. 
The law was, obey my commandments, you will be loved. The prophets were, hear my voice, you will be loved. Jesus is, you are loved, so obey me. It's, a flip, it's flipped around the other way. If we love Jesus, we will obey his voice because our obedience is a manifestation and a demonstration of that love, right? And so we're to love Jesus. And the way, one of the ways that we love Jesus is to obey his commandments. Biblically speaking, to hear is to listen, to understand, and to do. All the way through Jesus' teachings, he says, in a number of different places, he says something similar to this. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now this might be a problem just for me. I'm sure it's probably not. But you know, there are moments where I'm doing something, Ash is texting, I'm texting something, or I'm busy with something, and Ash will ask me to do something, and I'll say, yeah, yeah, I'll respond to her. All I'm hearing is wah, 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 but I know she's said something, so I'll say yes. And then I'll be like, wait a minute, what did you just ask me to do? Because I've heard, but I haven't really heard. I haven't really listened. I've just, I've just heard the words and, 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 and responded to the words, but, but haven't done anything about them. You know, and sometimes it's just disobedience. Can you put the trash out? No, we don't want to. Other times it's just like, I haven't really listened. It's probably because I'm a terrible multitasker. But I haven't really listened. How many times have we approached the word we haven't really heard? We've read, but we haven't allowed it to penetrate our hearts. We've listened, but we haven't actually done anything about it. So the next time we hear a word, like Jesus is a healer, but we've never laid a hands on somebody, we can go, yeah, Jesus is a healer. But actually right there, we're stepping into religion because we haven't actually practiced what we've preached, what we've heard, right? And so to listen is to do, to hear. Do you have ears to hear? To take that moment where you hear the voice of the Lord and to be obedient, to do what he's telling you to do at the big macro level in terms of big decisions in your life day to day, how you lead your life, even how you spend your time what you're doing, are you listening to Jesus or are you listening to other things? The obedience is proof of your hearing. So, who are you listening to? Are you listening to Jesus? Are you studying the word? Are you hearing the word? Are you allowing the word to transform you? Are you surrendering your opinions to Jesus, to the, what's true in the word? If there's a conflict between what your experience is and what the word says, are you calling your experience up to the word or are you dumbing the word down to your experience? Are you listening to Jesus? The fathers, this is the father saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. Don't listen to anyone else, listen to him. Are you listening to and are being obedient to Jesus or are there other voices in your life that are louder? And have you surrendered your filters so that you can truly hear the word of God? This is the beautiful thing about the gospel is this, that we have been placed into Christ Jesus. The moment we said yes, 
We've been brought into Christ and Christ is in us and he's filled us with the Holy Spirit who is the power of, of heaven and, the, and he's writing our, his law into our hearts and he's empowering us to do the right thing so that we're no longer in a place where we're having to muster up the ability to, do, to be obedient to Jesus but the love of Christ on the inside of us and the power of the Holy Spirit within us actually enables us, empowers us, strengthens us to be obedient and it becomes a delight to us, not a hardship. And so we've been given not a spirit of fear, of, 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 but we've been given a spirit of love and self-control and a sound mind. The ability to respond to him, the ability to be obedient, the ability to take what we're hearing and have him penetrate our hearts and bring life into our hearts and bring the truth to us so that it's not about our own effort but it's about our surrendering. And every time we fall and we say we, we don't do be obedient, when we repent, the Lord is very quick to bring us back to his love. The Bible says this, 1 John 1, that if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of our unrighteousness. There's grace, there's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. What there is, is there's power to change. There's power to hear. There's power to listen. There's power to obey. Who are you listening to? Are you asking, are you walking with the spirit of truth? Are you keeping in step with the spirit of God or are you keeping in step with culture? Are you keeping in step with the spirit of God to you or are you allowing other people to tell you what's going on? Listen to Jesus. I want to invite you to stand if you would please. You've been given a new nature. You and I, we've been given a new nature where the old has gone, the new has come, the Bible says. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are now powerful in Christ Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. That new nature enables us to have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. And so right now, what I want us to do is just take a moment. As I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit, no doubt, has been speaking into your heart about the things that you are following, the things that you are listening to over and above his word. And if that's true, then I want to just give you an opportunity right now to take a moment to do some business with the Lord in repentance. We're not going to call you up. We're just going to right there where you are, between you and Jesus, between you and the Holy Spirit. What have you been listening to? What have you been following? What are the things that have been dominant voices in your life? Is it the enemy? Is it your culture? Is it your experience? Is it your desire? Is it your church theology? Is it your friends? What is it that's been causing you to listen? Just take a moment and ask the Lord for forgiveness. Just say, Lord... I'm really sorry for every way that I've allowed other voices, other things. Just name those things and just ask him for forgiveness. Repent is just to change your mind. It's just to say, I don't want to do that anymore. By the power of the Spirit, I want to listen to Jesus. I want him to be my source. I want him to be my life. So just repent, just ask for forgiveness. Just say, sorry, Lord. I'm sorry that I've listened to those voices. I'm sorry that I haven't listened to the voice of Jesus first. And let's just take a moment to, to welcome the spirit of truth. 
The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He's living on the inside of you. It's the anointing on the inside of you that will teach you and guide you into all truth. So just welcome the spirit of truth. Just say, Holy Spirit, would you bring revelation to me? Would you speak to me from your word? Would you take me deeper into your word? And most of all, would you give me a passion and a love for the word of God? So that every time I open it, I experience you. So that when I wake up in the morning, rather than just being hungry for food, I'm hungry for the word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you that passion. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you the ability, the power to be obedient. Father, we're asking right now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon us that we would be obedient to you no matter what the cost, that you'll give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand. And Lord, right now we ask that you would disconnect us from our culture desensitize us from those other voices and sensitize us to your voice, to your truth, to who you are. And write your law, your word, your truth into our hearts that we would be a people of truth. We love Jesus. We are obedient to Jesus. We live his truth and nothing else. 